and welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, last week I had on Rick Elkin here on the show. And you know what? Uh, it, he's like, am I on again? I'm like, no, I just moved you up. But let's have you on once again because there's so much to talk about. Continuing our themed discussions. It was education last time. Today, it is all about freedom. Go to rickelkin.com, author of The Illusion of Knowledge, Why So Many Educated Americans Embrace Marxism. And that definitely ties into today's talks. Rick, you're in studio, my friend. It is great to meet you finally. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's just really a treat. Well, we're going to do a lightning round of topics today. First off, the Department of Justice has declared that the COVID vaccines, any mandates that come from this in the country, they're perfectly legal. So my question to you, does this go to the Supreme Court? Because this is a big deal. This goes against everything that I consider and I think that you would consider actually to be American. Well, you know, it's a really good question. And I think this is the topic of our maybe our lifetime, uh, because, you know, first of all, we've I haven't personally lived through a pandemic. Um, you know, we've all been confronted with uh, measles and all those kinds of things in our lifetime, but this is different. And um, here's my problem is that I believe that this whole pandemic has been overhyped. I don't think it's what it was represented to be that if we look at the statistics now, you know, none of the projections have panned out. They said there was going to be millions of deaths. They were all the hospitals were going to be overrun. All of that's gone none of that ever happened so now all of a sudden we're taking away our our private our medical privacy rights and we're um, allowing people to demand that we stick something in our body that is essentially a medical experiment and and people are going to lose their jobs and their freedom over this i have a problem with that and you know i guess the question then is well like you said do we send this to the supreme court you know, I'm not sure they would rule against it. I'm not sure that they would, they would even hear the case, Rick. That's the, my fear. Well, I think that's probably a really good point. And so, okay, let's assume that they aren't the arbiters. So who is? And how do we as citizens um, stop this train wreck, which is what I consider it, of the Constitution? Um, so, you know, it gets back to, you know, we have to confront our employers. We have to confront these businesses. We have to confront these um, politicians that think it's just fine to to demand that you and me participate in an experiment. Now, that assumes that the FDA doesn't, in next week, um, decide that this these um, vaccines are 100% safe. I don't see how they can do that because I think the evidence is piling up in the opposite way. Um, I mean, just because you're not hearing it in the mainstream media doesn't mean it doesn't exist because you and I both do a lot of independent research and the information is out there. There's a lot of people with some pretty severe side effects and it has killed some people. Yes. And there's also some major um, doctor organizations and um, medical organizations that are starting to come out and say, wait a minute, this, you know, we're going way too fast, slow down. Um, f- particularly we can't demand this of our children. These, the kids don't get sick with this. So it's proven this is, this is crazy. Um, but beyond that, I think it's crazy anyway, because we really don't know what the long-term effects of these experimental MRNA gene editing vaccines do. 
I don't call them vaccines, Rick. I, I call them, it's gene therapy is what it is. Yes, that's that's a better way. To, you're right. It's not gene editing. It's gene therapy. But the point is, is this is brand new. Now, will it be the future of medicine? I kind of think it will be. I, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of on this side that DNA research is very important. And this will be leading to some cures for cancer and things like that. But I think this rush to judgment with this particular situation um, is panic. It's driven by panic. And you know, and I know that when you make decisions under that kind of pressure, they're generally not very good decisions. So this would be my feeling that we as the public, we need to demand that everybody just slow down a little bit. The hospitals are not overrun. We don't have millions of people dropping dead in the streets from COVID. It's not nearly what it was last year. No, and, and you know, I always say this, and I, you know, I get criticized heavily from this, but I just saw somebody else say this in the media today, but I've been saying this for a long time. Who do you know that has died from COVID? I don't know anybody, and I don't know anybody that knows anybody. Now, do I know people who've had it? Oh, yeah. They've all survived, and for the most part, very well. Now, some of them got really sick, but most of them didn't. They got the flu, essentially. And they had to take four or five days off. Some of them have lost their sense of taste for a while. Most of them have gotten it back. I would say all the ones I know. And again, it goes back to the comorbidities. Those are the people that get more severely ill and there's a potential of death. But again, that's you could get the flu and that's going to affect you as well. Bingo. So I think this is what we have to do is look about where do we apply this technology where it would have the least long term negative effect um, and it particularly, we, I think it's obscene to think that we should be sticking this in the arms of anybody under 18. Um, unless, you know, and I don't even think they have the right to make that decision themselves. I mean, come on. We, we don't let them drink. We don't let them, you know, join the military. We don't let them do a lot of things because they're not mature enough. So I think we have to be careful about that. And I think parents who want to run out and stick this in the arm of their two-year-old, uh, they ought to have a mental exam because this just doesn't make sense makes no sense kids should not be involved in this and then again when it goes to the adults rick it should be individual choice now if you want to go out and you want to get the vaccine knock yourself out that is perfectly fine it is your right as an american it is also my right as an american to go this is not for me absolutely and you know i think we'll all say well this is a public health problem and those who don't get the vaccine are putting others at risk well wait a minute if the vaccine inoculates you from getting it, how does me not getting the vaccine put you at risk? You're supposed to be protected. Exactly. So which is it? You can't have it both ways. Well, now the CDC is recommending, well, even the vaccinated, if you're indoors, you still should be wearing a mask. Hello, doesn't the vaccine protect you? What's going on here? Well, I think it brings up the issue of informed consent. And what I find when I talk to people is that most of the people I know who ran out and got the vaccine never were properly informed. Um, they listened to what they saw in the major media. And, you know, everybody says, well, it's perfectly safe. Um, all the manufacturers say that, you know, and honestly, I don't know why anybody would want to believe them when most of these manufacturers have been involved in billions and billions of dollars of lawsuits for lying about the effectiveness of many of their drugs. But the point right now is that unless you really understand that you're part of a ongoing medical experiment, and I don't think most of them know that, then they have not 
actually had informed consent and therefore they are submitting themselves to something that you know i'm personally not willing to do at least at this point not to say i won't ever but you know i i think we need more time we need more testing we need more long-term understanding before we go rushing off to do this and especially since at this point we don't have hospitals overflowing with covid cases well, and that's exactly right, Rick. There's not enough information out there. This has basically been an experimentation upon the American people. I mean, that's the bottom line. This is not approved yet by the FDA. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. That's right. Well, one thing that I saw, and then we'll go to California, because that's the main reason I had you in studio today, is I saw as a headline last weekend, and it really caught my eye. I try to avoid news over the weekend to clear the mind. It's it's for my health, my mental health. But Europeans last weekend in various cities, I mean, we're talking London, Dublin, Paris, Rome, Athens, and so many others, they stood up against anti-lockdowns, against vaccine passports that are going to be spreading all across Europe as a mandate. And they stood up in the streets and said, we're not going to take this. We need to figure out another way. And it made me feel good that Europeans, mm-hmm. where things are so different over there, were willing to stand up for their human rights. But, Rick, the alarming thing to me is I don't see that over here. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that goes back to the fact that Americans are kind of spoiled. And, uh, you know, we've had so much freedom for so long. We've been so successful. Um, we're very lucky. You know, we live on an island, effectively. And there's so many elements about that that causes um, apathy. And um, so I think that, you know, Americans are pretty quick to accept, you know, what these very successful drug companies are saying, because in their experience, it they go to the doctor every day and they come home with something and they take it and it seems to work. And it's all better. Yeah. So, I mean, this is our experience. And so I, I totally understand that. Now, why is it different in Europe, well, I think Europeans are only relatively new to the experience of freedom, and they like it, and they're starting to see that they have a little bit um, more recent experience with not having freedom, uh, and they see it in some of their neighbor, uh, you know, countries and governments. I mean, there's still an awful lot of um, authoritarianism in European countries, and so I think they're very sensitive to this, and when they ha- have a taste of freedom. Uh, it's going to be a battle to take it away from them now. And I find that really encouraging. No, it is. This is what America stands for. And you notice in most of those demonstrations, what are they doing? They're waving American flags. What that does that made, tell you? That made me feel good yeah. more than anything else. They have the American ideal, even though they might be a citizen of France or a citizen of the UK. And they're like, you know what? Don't take my freedoms away from me. Yeah. You know, we want to be like Americans. And, um, you know, they don't necessarily say they want to be Americans, but they like the idea. And that's what America is. It's an idea. It was hundreds of thousands of people standing up peacefully. I'm going to point that out again, mm-hmm. peacefully saying it needs to be done a different way. Yeah. So, you know, here we are. I mean, we're at a worldwide tipping point. We really are. And it's going to be interesting to see in the next few months uh, which direction this goes um, you know, here in America, you have, you know, for the most part, the Democrats are very um, uh, consolidated about their position that this is, you know, 
acceptable. And you know, when you see some of these people talking on TV about how well we got to make their lives really miserable, those who won't take the vaccine, you know, we, we need to make sure they lose their jobs, they lose their homes. I mean, what kind of talk is that? And yet, you see it on TV with an interviewer who doesn't even challenge it. So there's a real question here as to what the future of our country, which direction our country is going to be going in the next year. All I'm going to say is people need to pay attention. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the second topic here. Noah on across the county, Rick Elkin, my guest. Heard him last week here on the show. But, uh, you know, I went to cancel his appointment because we already talked. He says, like, I'm coming in studio. You, 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 you can't stop me. We have another <laughs> chat to do. <laughs> anyway, rickelkin.com, the illusion of knowledge, why so many educated Americans embrace Marxism. Speaking of Marxism, lots of draconian measures here in California with uh, our esteemed king, uh, Gavin Mussolini, Gavin Newsom. And the recall still coming up here in September. Uh, now, most recent news, which is adding fuel to the fire, that there's a mandate on state workers and also healthcare professionals. They must get the vaccine. What are your thoughts on that? And then we're going to talk about the recall. Do you think, think this actually helps his chances, hurts his chances, Rick? I believe that the reason the recall is uh, occurring is because of his mandates for lockdowns, for isolation, um, this this whole idea of a uh, uh, you know a, a vaccine um, passport. Um, I believe that's why he's even being subjected to this. You would I, think I, he would scale back, but he's not doing that. No, he's putting the pedal to the metal. He's doubling down on it, and so you know I've always said in one of the chapters in my book, I, I write quite a bit in there about California, that California to me is the Petri dish for the future of America, um, that it always has been. It seems like whatever a trend is that we have in California. So goes the nation. So goes the nation. And, you know, it's, I wouldn't say that it's 100% that way. I mean, if you ever go to New York, you'll realize they don't have a whole lot of California in them. They don't like California at all. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, you just look at, at fashion trends, you look at food trends, you look at music trends, all these cultural trends, and a lot of them start on the left coast, um, and they gradually spread across the country. And I think this um, this idea of socialism, uh, social democracy, and, and, you know, take it one step further, this rewording of our um, language starts in California. And the next thing you know, you start hearing it in Washington. Um, so I believe that California is a Petri dish. And if that's the case, it scares me because, frankly, I think California isn't anywhere near what it used to be. It used to be the golden state. I don't think you can call it that anymore. You can't call it that. But I think especially just in the last couple of years, I think we're more conservative than I than we're being given credit for. I'm not saying that we're a solidly red state, but I don't think it's completely blue either. No, and I don't think it ever will be. But I do believe this, that, you know, we've seen an exodus. Um, and one of the problems with that is that a lot of the conservatives are the ones leaving. Um, a lot of middle class Californians are finding, especially business owners, it's intolerable here. It's not a good environment for a small businessman. They're taking their business. And they're moving somewhere else. Um, I think a lot of parents who have young kids feel like living in this toxic drug-addled atmosphere, they want to get out. They want to go somewhere in middle America where they can keep their kids more close to them and control 
what they're being exposed to. Um, so what we're seeing is really the best parts of California, the best people in California leaving, and then we're being invaded with you know. And I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I hate immigrants. I don't. But I I I don't like people who break the law. And if you break into our country, the very first thing you do is break into the country illegally. That kind of makes me not like you. It has nothing to do with your skin color or your you know cultural background or anything to do it has the fact that you just don't have respect for our laws and that means you don't have respect for america so what are you doing here you know you're taking advantage of us and that's what i have a problem with and i think we're seeing an awful lot of that coming in and replacing productive middle class hard-working you know call it conservative or moderate people who are leaving and moving to another state because they can't afford to live here they don't want to live here they don't like the atmosphere here they don't like the direction we're going in and if that's true then what are we going to see in the rest of the country in the next 10 years that's very true noah here on across the county so i'll ask you directly how do you think if you are asked today how do you think the recall is going to go it doesn't matter that larry elder is winning in the polls some say as close to as 20%, which is pretty handy, but he's a true conservative. I think he could be the one to really turn this state around, but that doesn't matter if Gavin Newsom is not recalled. You know, I like Larry and I had not even thought of him being a candidate um, until he announced it surprised me. Um, Maybe I should have been listening to his radio show more and maybe um, he was telling us that I didn't know when he announced. I'm like, you know, this guy, it makes sense. You know, he's got identity. Great communicator. Um, He's a great communicator. He's a great debater. I wouldn't want to be in a debate with him and being a conservative part of the minority is even better because I do believe that there is a growing number of minorities who are recognizing how they've been taken advantage of by the Democrats and that the Democrats only want to talk to them every four years. Election time. Yeah. And and so I think there's, you know, when we talk about, you know, is California a blue state? Um you know, Democrats would like us to think that. I think, you know, we've had a history of electing liberals, you know, Jerry Brown. I think it depends on the area. I really think California more and more is right now. It's a shade of purple. I think that you have a lot of conservatives here. It's heavy Democrat, but there's a lot of Democrats that want Newsom out. No question. I know some I have some very liberal friends and they're fed up with the homelessness. They're fed up with, you know, the fact that that Newsom just acts so arrogant and doesn't seem to even want to talk to people, doesn't want to react to any of the problems we're having. He's, you know, smug. Um, He's too busy at the French Laundry. He's having dinner. Oh, some of those (laughs) things that he's been caught doing are so revealing and you can't deny him. No. And so I think this is a, a big problem. We have recalled a governor before, so we have a history of that. Um, so I think this has a very good chance of, of happening. It's interesting because I don't think anything has changed since the 2020 election. And some people would say that there's not enough there there. I would say, let's just wait and see how things turn out in Arizona and beyond. I'm not going to go beyond that. Do you think this is going to be a fair election? Well, one other element of that Petri dish um, is that California has had a very active group of election integrity individuals watching the polls and uh, conscripting volunteers to go to the polls to watch what's going on. 
the Democrats have been doing everything they can to steal the elections. I mean, they have been, you know, they're harvesting ballots. Um, they've set, rechanged the rules. We have lots of elections running in small districts where there's no conservative competition at all. Everybody on the ballot's a Democrat. So there's no question the Democrats have set the stage and rigged it for themselves. But we do have a pretty substantial core of people working to protect the ballot, the, the uh, voting process. So I think, you know, especially now with all of the uh, stuff that's going on in Arizona and Georgia and so forth, uh, I think there's a possibility that this could, especially this, this recall, it's a little bit different than a full-on, you know, four-year election process. I think we have a chance of this being accurate. Well, what I would tell people, too, is it's going to be all about turnout, so if you're if it matters to you at all, the outcome of California and how your life is able to proceed in a state and how prosperous you're able to be two things. One, make sure you vote and two, go to the polls. Yeah. Don't mail in your ballot. Yeah, go to the polls on, on Election Day. I couldn't agree more. And I think that is a good precedent for the national elections in the future too, that we need to get back to paper ballots. We need to get back to personally going to the polls and going into the booth um, the way it was before. I know that sounds old fashioned, you know, and I'm always being blamed for being an old man and doing everything the old fashioned way. But I think there has to be some integrity. And whenever you start going off on these tangents of having mail-in ballots and, and people walking into the booth with other people to help them fill out their ballots and all this kind of feel good stuff, the integrity goes right out the window and it's impossible to, to monitor that. So, um, you know, if we don't have integrity in our elections, we don't have a, a constitutional Republic. It's really that simple. Amen. Elections. I always say this elections should be secure. They should not be easy. It should never be easy. This is the most important thing we can do as citizens in this country is our right not only to vote, but to have our vote counted and to have it counted properly. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the message right there. You know, I've held you over. This was going to be a lightning round, but there's so much there there, Rick, and that's totally fine. Tell people about your book, The Illusion of Knowledge. What is The Illusion of Knowledge? The book is based on the premise that my wife and I knew uh, her, one of her best friends was in an abusive relationship and um, we watched her marriage fall apart. Um, and we couldn't understand what was going on and she wouldn't tell us. And so she was very upset. She lost one of her best friends. They, they lost communication. Um, I started studying abusive relationships and it dawned on me that the format for a man dominating a woman and essentially hijacking her personality, stealing her value system could simp could be replicated using the media to do this on a mass scale. The process is actually a clinical, has a name, it's called perspecticide. And you can Google this and find out exactly gaslighting is common, the most common word used of how you know a, a husband will tell his wife um, after he's dimmed the lights and she says, honey, what's going on? The lights are going down. And he says, no, 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 honey, you, you must be making it up. You're imagining things. And this is based on a play back in the 40s where her husband did this to make his wife go crazy so that he could steal her fortune, have her committed, and get all of her, her wealth, her family wealth. And so this is, a, this is a way that the media is doing this, not just the media, 
Our school systems are doing it. If you add it all up, you have the school systems doing it to kids. They've got them five hours a day, five days a week for 18 years. They have them isolated. They control the information they get. Now we sit in front of our TV for a few hours a day. They control the information we get. It's not that hard to mask gaslight. And what happens is the woman, you know, you ask her, well, why don't you just leave him? And she says, well, because I love him. That's the illusion of knowledge. Mm. And that's what we are living through right now. And like you said, we are at a tipping point. And are we going to continue to have the wool pulled over our eyes? Or are we going to wake up and say it's time to make sure America stays America? Yeah, it's you got to say to that woman, you know, you just have to get in the car and leave. It's not going to be easy, but you've got to break that relationship and free yourself from that illusion and that's what we Americans have to do. And we have to break this, this control relationship that the media has over us and that our schools have over students and have had for three or four generations now. So that's why you have these really uh, people like AOC that are convinced that they know what's best for all of us. You know, she's a bright woman. But she's just completely mis- misinformed. Me, you and I were talking about how the education in America, our last chat was education themed and how that's been a decades long process of them indoctrinating our kids. And only now are you seeing parents actually stand up and starting to push back. And that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Seen a lot of it especially over CRT. Oh, exactly. Well, Rick Elkin, my guest, go to rickelkin.com. Check out the illusion of knowledge, why so many educated Americans embrace Marxism. He is the unabashed super spreader of one of my favorite things. It's called Americanism, people. And we'll have him back on the show. Rick, thanks for stopping by the studio. Always a pleasure, my friend. And we're going to start doing these in studio all the time. I'm looking forward to it. This was a lot of fun. Noah here and across the county. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.